everybody! Welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. We are so excited to present to you a podcast that we recorded live at the Idic Podcast Festival this past weekend, July 17th, 2021. The festival was put on by one of our favorite feminist Star Trek podcasts, Women at Warp. Please go check them out. And we were just so over the moon to participate. Because it was live, there were some technical difficulties. So we did lose Lauren a few times, and there's some sort of weird echo on Larissa. But all in all, we think it turned out pretty great. So here we go. Music therapy in Star Trek featuring Amanda Meister Shearer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. Lauren is on her way. Lauren is on her way. Um, We're so (laughs) excited to be a part of the Idic Podcast Festival. Thank you so much to Women at Warp for having us. Um, We are talking today about music therapy in the Star Trek universe. Um, And we have a special guest with us. uh, My sister, board-certified music therapist, Amanda Maestro-Shearer. Hi! Hi! I'm so excited to be here. Music therapy, talking about music therapy and Star Trek are my two favorite things in the world, so... Well, that means that you are <laughs> very qualified for this topic. Um, <laughs> do you want to just quickly tell our viewers, listeners, a little bit about what music therapy is while we're waiting for Lauren to arrive? Because yes. I don't think a lot of people um, generally have uh, sort of a like a concept of what music therapy is or like really what expressive therapies are. Yeah, definitely. So music therapy is actually an allied healthcare profession uh, in which we use music to uh, address the needs of our uh, clients. And that can look like very, very different things. And we're using music to to do that. So for someone, you know, for example, maybe at end of life, who's in a lot of pain, we might use music to help with pain management. We can use music to help uh, regain function after a brain injury or use music in the therapeutic relationship um, to address uh, trauma and anxiety and depression. So there are a lot of different applications for music. And the most important thing I think to remember about music therapy as a profession is that music therapists are specially trained to, um, to understand how our brains and bodies and emotions respond to music and use that to create very individualized uh treatments for the clients that we work with. Yeah, yeah. that is so, so cool. Um, so Amanda went to Berkeley College of Music, and that's where she got her degree in music therapy, um, and then went to St. Mary of the Woods College and mm-hmm. got her master's there. Um, so like, and also then, th- so that's one qualification. Other qualification is uh, she's my sister and we have been watching Star Trek together <laughs> since we were children. Forever. Yes. <laughs> For forever. Forever. Um, so there are a lot of moments in Star Trek that are, um, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of music in Star Trek that's like really used in the show. Um, but there are a lot of moments in Star Trek in which a character has a therapeutic or or like a, a therapeutic relationship or experience with music. Yes. Um, and I mean, there are tons of those we could we're, we're going to talk about our favorites 
kind of. We're going to talk about the ones that we think are the most important, maybe, or the most relevant to this topic of music therapy and Star Trek. Um, and then we're going to talk about how expressive therapies and music therapy in particular could be more a part of like a future utopia in which medicine and care is a more holistic yes. uh, approach as opposed to what it is now where everything is segmented and not, and we have to pay a lot of money for stuff. Yay, Lauren's here! Hi! Hi, <laughs> sorry. I have no pants. But, <laughs> like, it's not even like I don't, like, pajama pants. I just have no pants. <laughs> Luckily, Needed. nobody can see that. <laughs> but we... I'm really glad to know. I'm excited that I know that. Hi, everybody. This is Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. I'm Larissa, your captain, and this is Lauren, my number one. <laughs> I usually have pants. <laughs> I can't let that go, but she usually at least has pants. Uh, so, yeah, we, Lauren, we just to catch you up, we just talked. Uh, Amanda just like briefly uh, gave everyone a rundown of music therapy and what that is. And uh, now we're kind of just talking about what uh, characters we're going to discuss. And I was just going over that, like, we're not going to talk about every single time a character has a therapeutic relationship or experience with music, because there are actually quite sure, a few. That makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot. But we're going to talk about the one specifically that Amanda was like, this is a thing. This is a real thing. Um, and and maybe then just like mention a few others. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you want to start with the big one. We could start with the big one. The big one is the one that like, I think probably most people would think of if they're, if they just heard about what music therapy is and then they're thinking about Star Trek, I feel like most people would be like, Oh, so like kind of like the inner light kind of like lessons and the inner light. And the relationship that Picard has with the music and the flute that he learned on in that experience where he was uh, kind of attacked and gaslit. <laughs> Some serious trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I don't know if you'd be watching this uh, podcast convention if you haven't seen The Inner Light. Uh, <laughs> it is a Peabody Award winning episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation in which Picard gets, uh, there's like a, what is it? It's just like a probe in space mm -hmm. and and uh, it beams into his brain and he lives out an entire lifetime on this defunct planet in the span of 25 minutes. And in that time, he learns to play the flute. Like in his, his, the flute is like a big part of his life there. And then after 25 minutes, he wakes up and he's back on the Enterprise and the last scene of that episode is him in his quarters alone playing this melody, this melody written by Jay Chataway, this gorgeous melody um, by himself. And uh, then in the episode Lessons, he is able to connect with this very cute uh, science officer, uh, <laughs> Dr. Nella Darren, and they... Uh, end up connecting intimately and, and playing music together. And he shares his experience about his experience of in the inner light and talks about why his music is so important to him. So um, I, I mean, I would love to like hear 
your thoughts about that as a music therapist, what your thoughts are yeah, about the inner light and lessons. <laughs> I just think the the way that they established first off, right, Picard's relationship with music and how how important that is to him. Because he's always had, you know, he he will listen to classical music in his quarters and and has always, you know, throughout the show like really enjoyed it. But it takes it to a more personal level for him. And and what what it shows in in lessons is that his that the music really is tied to his trauma right and tied to that experience and tied to the grief and loss that uh that he experienced losing a whole lifetime right losing his grandchildren and his children and his wife and all like having a whole life right that's some serious grief and loss um that he probably just tried to process through by himself right and the music was really tied to that and when he connected with Nella Darren, he was finally able to show that and open it up. And we can only process through things if we're able to look at them, right, and let them breathe. And so playing and sharing that particular song with her allowed him to access that and access that grief and share it with somebody. Um, and I think even even just in the way that they interacted with one another through, you know, she's teaching him how to like improvise around a melody and those kinds of things. I think for Picard, who is such a, um, in control all of the time, right. Even in his holodeck adventures, like he's still Dixon Hill. He's still like in charge of things. Right. That is and so, so true. For him, for him to be in a space because playing music with someone is so vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be so vulnerable to open yourself up to that. And I think that really deepened his connection with her and allowed him to open up to her through um, through that melody and through his experience uh, with, you know, processing through his grief and loss. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I just said, Lauren, I just said to, to you the other day when we were like talking sort of through what we were going to talk about in this episode, that watching him share that melody with her for the first time and then like listening to her because like the first time we hear this melody um it's just flute by itself right in the inner inner light um but like when we hear it in lessons she's supporting him on the piano yes so she's like it's the first time we hear it with harmony and Mm -hmm. the first time we hear it like as a as a fully formed piece of music and it it really like it hits me emotionally because like I'm also in a relationship a a long-term romantic relationship with another musician so I understand how intense the connection and the intimacy is when you're when you're making music with another person um and he Picard doesn't have like really, really super close connections with a lot of people right. on the ship. Like we're assuming that like maybe he talked to Deanna about this probably, maybe Guinan. Yeah. But like he probably didn't, I mean, he didn't definitely didn't play music with them. Oh no, we lost Lauren. Um, oh no. Uh, but this, like he, we don't ever even really see him process like any sort of, of grief necessarily. Like it's no. when we, we watch yeah. him process grief, it's like a big deal, you know? Um, 
but this this like in particular when he's like hi uh i had this like really very uh intense traumatic experience and i want to share it with you that's a big deal for someone like picard yeah so like when you're when you're in uh hey lauren's back yay is that better we don't know what happened (laughs) so i wear pants by the way (laughs) (laughs) we'll see i just want to give everyone a heads up like it's a little spotty if i lose you guys just keep going yeah okay okay i'm sorry lauren um so so yeah I'm I'm interested to to hear like because this is not uh this is like Picard has a therapeutic relationship with music obviously in these two episodes but he's not like working with a therapist you know right. so like this is this is a situation in which the the music is a therapeutic thing for him but like we also see like Lauren you brought up when we were talking earlier uh like he says, like I was almost like when when she almost dies, like I was gonna put my music away and never play again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, box. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am just coming in, but I'm gonna hope I understand what you guys were talking about. Um, yeah, that I really like the way they brought the music back into lessons, but by bringing D- Nella Darren in and not only sharing that and and. But it's basically that vulnerability, like you guys were talking about. But it's him kind of increasing the bond. It was bonded to his experience in a way, his coping and his memories and trauma. But by sharing that with a new love, he's also making it vulnerable because in a way that music can be effective again. And he's saying, like, if I lose you, if I lose someone, then Mm -hmm. this bond we've created with this music could, you know, it's it could be tainted later if something negative mm. happens. Yeah. To bring, bring something so personal to a relationship, it means that can be affected if something happens with that relationship, like a loss. Yeah. And Picard is so guarded like that. I think that's, that's big for him to open himself up to that pain again. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and that music is already connected to loss for him. Mm-hmm. Like that music is already connected to like, I lost my, wife family my family and my best friend like from this whole life that he lived his grandchildren his children like it's already connected to all those things and then for it to be then connected to uh someone he fell in love with who then like yeah like oh no yeah and i think loris i heard you bring this up so apologies if i'm repeating uh what's already been said but also in inner light like he doesn't just lose this Family. I mean, he's traumatized twice because when he shows up mm-hmm. in this alien civilization, he still knows the Enterprise. He has all his memories intact. So in a way, he goes through the trauma of that experience. Yes. Where everyone's like, what are you talking about? You're not a captain of a starship, silly. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there's that. And then there's the additional trauma of yeah. accepting that truth or what he thinks is the truth and losing it again. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder, you know, for him when he decided to pick up the flute and learn it, that that was in a way like a coping a coping tool for him to kind of work through the trauma of having lost his life on the Enterprise and being totally gaslit there that like, you know, this never happened to you. And yes. so connecting with music then as a coping and then it's tied to then that whole life. Oh my god, I just put something together. I don't I I feel like this was on purpose. Um the first sorry. 
The first piece of music he plays on that flute in the inner light is Frere Jaca. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then he plays, and then it, he with plays it with Nella Darren. That's the piece of music that he's like, here she's she, like, here's an easy thing that we can like play together. Right. They go from Brandenburg to Frere Jaca. She's like, <laughs> how about something a little easier? Like with who's just playing Brandenburg. Like <sighs> I mean that like that is that's cute. That's so like, true. Yeah. I don't know who was if that was if that was uh, Dennis McCarthy or that if that was Jay Chataway's choice, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think you brought up a really good point, Larissa, about about when she, the way that she supports him musically, and how you know that is the first time that we hear you know that piece, which I'm assuming he wrote, right? Like that's kind of in his character, right? He yeah, in the universe, right? he, in universe, he wrote it. Yes, right. Um, so, so, you know, she, by doing that, she is, is supporting him in opening all of these things up. And, um, and I think, you know, I think, was it after they played that piece together that then he talked to her about what happened? Yes. First they smooched. First they smooched. smooched. And then, then he told her about it. But, you know, that's something that happens like in within music therapy sessions, you know, because music therapists are also musicians. So we're not just using recorded music Um, and to to be able to join somebody in in their music making in musicking, as we call it, um, really uh, says, I hear you. I hear you. I'm here with you. I everything that you are experiencing and expressing is okay. Yeah. And I will be here to support you in it. Yeah. And that's yeah. what she was really telling him through the music. Yeah. I was, I mean, I wanted, I was going to ask you about that because like what she's doing in that scene is, is something that I've seen you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, something I've seen you do something. One of, one of my best friends, uh, Kashana Armstrong is also a music therapist. It's some, it's something that I've seen her do mm-hmm. as well. Um, is, using using like your skills as a musician to support your client or your patient right in their experience like that's what that's what you do when you're writing a song with someone um in a music therapy setting is like mm-hmm. you are providing that uh that support musically and emotionally for that person through like through like playing guitar for them because they they don't know how to play the guitar right Right. right. And it's and 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 the idea is, you know, it's not about the therapist. Right. We're there to support, but it's also one of the important things too though is that reciprocal interaction that only happens through music, right? Right. So you don't you can't remove yourself from it either. So while while the therapist and while Nella Darren in her role in in this experience was really supporting um it's also it's also reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah. And she certainly got a lot out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she got a bunch of smooches out of you it. You know. <laughs> for sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, I I don't know if, like, um, if you feel like we're, we've kind of touched on this one or if you want to, if there's anything else about this that you're, you're interested in exploring. I, I think we covered it pretty pretty well. I think, you know, just kind of a takeaway uh, 
with the connection with music therapy is is just you know that um, that everyone has some kind of relationship with music, whether it's just like you listen to music for you know during a commute to keep you focused on something, or whether it's music that's tied to really important uh, events and people in your life, and and those relationships with music can be really difficult for people. Yeah. And they can be really yeah. triggering. Um, and they can also be really, uh, really healing yes. as well. Um, yes. so, so, you know, working with a, with a therapist who is trained to know how to access those things is kind of the, you know, sort of the takeaway with like how music therapy as a clinical, clinical use can come into play. Yeah. Yeah. Here she's back. Welcome. I'm just keeping everyone on their toes, you know? <laughs> Still don't have pants. Just throwing that in no. there. No. No. Okay, you don't need them. more serious stuff. We don't need pants. We don't need pants for this. I'm going to pretend I'm not wearing pants for this. <laughs> um, so so we just like, we just sort of, Lauren, wrapped up um, talking about lessons and the inner light. Um, it's... Like that's that's one of like the sort of like lovely, I feel mm -hmm. like music therapy moments, the like nice, it's like a it's a very feel good, even though it's like really sad. And also I would have loved to like I wish that um if I forget the actress's name, I know that that she passed away in 2014, but like that would oh. have been like one of my wishes for Picard <laughs> future Picard seasons would be yes. to like bring back Nella Darren. Um but I know that's not now we know that's probably Darn not going to happen. I know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I feel like that is nice. That's a, like a nice thing now. And now we can move on to maybe some more difficult. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I feel like it would, might be nice for the next one if we talk about uh, Tuvok. Yes. And. Neelix, who I'm going to call Tuvok's therapist in this episode, uh, which is uh, <laughs> the episode of Voyager called Riddles. It's a season six episode. Um, Lauren, did you watch? Did you watch this one? I did. I did. Yeah. I saw. Do you want to give a texting you? Oh, yeah. Me? Do you want to give a little recap? Sure. Sure. We're going to try to keep this short for time's sake. Uh, yeah. But basically, uh, Tuvok and Neelix. Uh, some aliens go on board, zap them with a weapon, neurological damage, and in the process of trying to um, heal Tuvok, he has suffered neurological damage to the point where he sort of lost his Vulcanness and mm -hmm. his memory and identity and so forth. Um, so there's some some basically what we would call you know brain trauma. It's like the equivalent of being in a car accident, and you're just you're different. You wake up different, mm -hmm. um, and and so in that episode Neelix is trying to be a good friend and Larissa loves her good friend moments in Star Trek and <laughs> helps is trying to help the process by bringing in flowers from his room and playing mm -hmm. the, the Vulcan monks music and lo and behold Tuvok actually awakens out of this sort of neurological coma um but again he's different and so Neelix is sort of trying to help his recovery and um by doing whatever he can. And it means some really interesting things. Tuvok decides he likes to cook. And uh, and uh, there are some other Im 
interesting things about the episode, but I, I think we'll get to them in just a second. I kind of want to branch back to to you or Amanda on, you know, kind of that part about the, the right. idea of the music therapy. And yeah. it's when Neelix plays the monk music. It's yes. a great camera shot, by the way, if you see the it episode. Is. It kind of like the doctor and Neelix are talking and it sort of pans left, it pans right. And then when it goes center, you see Tuvok, he's just sitting upright from the medical bed. <laughs> Because oh, he's love woken that. up in the stimulus. Um, but yeah, Amanda, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, you hear a lot about that, about people who are in comas and stuff, like talking to them and, uh, yeah. you know, sense and the sensories and music is a big part of that. Yes, yes. So, so you know, we can assume that Tuvok had a brain injury, right? Um, and and when when people are recovering from brain injuries, there is a lot, there is a, a point in that that, that uh, bringing in different types of sensory stimuli um, is really important. So Neelix was doing a really great job. <laughs> you know, he's reading to him. He was bringing in different things that would, you know, stimulate his his sense of smell. And then, of course, playing the music. And and this is something I feel like the way that they that they wrote this was actually really brilliant because it's something that I've experienced myself as a music therapist working on ICUs with people who have had brain injuries that oftentimes the medical staff have a very specific idea of what they think, what type of music should be played. And the doctor had this response, like, what is this garbage basically? You know, like, why are you playing this for him? But all the research shows and the the clinical experience shows as well, that patient preferred music is going to be the most effective. For these kinds of things, right? Mm. Not just for this specifically, but just in general, right? Like a song that uh, might be relaxing, like you know, Vivaldi or whatever, for one person might cause a lot Vivaldi of anxiety. Vivaldi is not relaxing. Vivaldi does not. No, <laughs> Vivaldi relaxes no one. No, um, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, like, like medical personnel will typically be like, okay, play them classical music, but no, that's like if if they're into Vulcan whatever monk music <laughs> was it opera i think music. it was like an opera it was monk and opera yeah um yeah they're the usually like it's opera use. every culture has opera apparently in in star <laughs> trek every, everyone has some sort of opera yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's just important we need to start filling out for the hospitals like do not reset like it, you know do you want to be recita- recitated or not um blah, blah, blah. uh are you an organ donor and what music to play Absolutely. if you're in a coma? I would anything with synth, please. Um, <laughs> there we Absolutely, go. no. I think that's actually hey, there are a lot of music therapists who are who are kind of talking about that. Like we should have kind of your uh, preferred music as part of you know like an end of life document. Like what do you what music do you want to be listening to when you're dying? What do you oh want? Really? Right. What music can oh. will like help you recover from a brain injury, right? Like what music? I've and I've talked to Larissa about this. I'm like, if I'm ever in a brain and in- have ever have a brain injury, like you should be playing like lame is for me because I know all of the words to that, and that will help you know bring my speech function. Yeah, back. Patty Griffin. <laughs> Patty Griffin. Put on Patty right? Griffin right away. Joni Mitchell. I mean, yeah. I mean, not to stray too much from this episode, but like this actually brings up. Just like the fact that um, music, we know that music uh, in particular, that art, of course, is very powerful, but that music in particular is very powerful as far as uh, uh, the way that it, it affects uh, the human brain. Right. Um, and I'm 
I'm interested in what you just said about like putting this, like what you said, Lauren, about like putting this information, like in your medical history, because like, think about that episode where Deanna is hearing that song in -hmm. her head and she's being traumatized by it, right? She's being tortured. Yes. By it. And, uh, by Kevin, Kevin, (laughs) Kevin, the exotic, uh, the exotic alien name of the Kevin. exotic <laughs> alien name Kevin. Kevin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Amanda and I were talking yesterday. Like, what if Deanna was in a in a medical situation later in her life where she was unable to verbalize or communicate telepathically with anyone, and somebody was like, "Here's a nice song." Let's put right. on this nice song right. for Deanna so she can relax. Right. And it's that song that she was tortured oh. with. Absolutely. And like you know, these, you know like these are things we need to know. And it it's happening in, in nursing homes and assisted <gasps> living facilities, you know, with like, and that's why it's really important to have somebody who understands that music mm. can be tied to trauma. You've got, you know, we've got generations of people you know, veterans who are in these nursing facilities now that music could have really uh, intense ties to traumatic experiences for them. And they just stick headphones on them and walk away, you know, and that's, there's a lot in that. Right. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. That's- I have a, I have a question about this episode that was kind of geared to Amanda, if you guys don't yeah. mind me steering it that way. Cause, um, First of all, this episode, I I text Larissa when I was watching it, saying, "Is this Two Vix Two Point Where yeah. we have oh, we're like- talking about we're back to riddles. Sorry, sorry, for, we're for going those- to riddles. Yeah, yes, yeah. sorry, you're, that's right. We did end up. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I wanted to go back to to riddles and Voyager, the one where where Tuvok um, is is kind of suffering, losing that part of him, his Vulcanness. Um, Mm-hmm. And Bond's very much to Neelix. He he feels very yes. safe with Neelix. But but in that episode, he is very different. And he basically says, I'm I'm pretty happy, I'm content. He has yeah. sort of found himself on the other end, even though he's different. Now, I realize we're talking about a fictional TV sci-fi show. And it has to reset at the end. We're gonna get two Vok back where he was. You know, this was especially right. at this era. And I also realized that if they have any chance of getting back alive, they need Tuvok to become their tactical officer. Yeah. So I get it. But it did remind me a little bit how in Tuvix, too. Tuvix is like, hey, I'm cool. Like, I'm pretty I like cool me. with this situation. <laughs> yeah. But everyone else is like, no, we need you back the way you are. And in this episode, too, we get a character saying, I'm pretty happy with the way I am now. And yeah. it brought up this, it made me wonder if, uh, if there was a larger narrative here about when an individual is sort of um, dealing with their trauma and moving on, even if it means uh, definitely a new season or a big change, but maybe their friends and families aren't accepting of that. And I'm wondering in your work, Amanda, um, do you see that where the individual is actually doing pretty well, but maybe um, the family and friends aren't and, 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 you know, do the episodes like this kind of push that narrative in a harmful way? Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I, I but I do think that 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 there is a lot of truth with that. Um, that you know, when people are profoundly changed by either trauma or injury, um, that you know, of course, personally, there's a lot of of coping and uh, transformation that that has to happen for the individual, but also for the family to be able to kind of get to a point where they um, can 
can accept and reacquaint with this new person, you know? Um, and, and I, I think, you know, music can be, can be used in those, uh, in those situations to help everybody kind of get to a place where they're able to um, accept is the wrong word, but, but start to, to, you know, relearn or, or learn again, like learn for the first time, you know, who, who this person is and who, like who the person, who they are as well, you know? Um, But I do agree that, that, you know, there is, it, it definitely does kind of push that narrative of like, if you're not, back to where you were, yeah. then you're not, you're not, Although, you know, at the end, right. at the end of the episode, there were like little, you know, they did kind of show those little glimmers of, of Tuvok, you know, sort of having a different sense of humor and, you know, kind of connecting to Neelix in a different way. Um, so I think they kind of, you know, in the, in the, sort of similar to in swarm too, at the, at the end with the doctor, right? Yeah. Yes. Just yes. Like just a little glimmer of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The Sundays, you can also eat the Sundays. The Sundays, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I also wanted to to bring up uh Lauren that this episode, Riddles, actually has some moments of possible art therapy. <laughs> yeah. Uh That's like, right. they're yeah, they're looking to get this this very important information from Tuvok, right? They need uh the cloaking signature of the aliens that attacked him. And he, after this brain injury, cannot remember it and is also traumatized by the experience. And Mm -hmm. and every time they talk to him about it, he shuts down Mm -hmm. and he's only able to get to the place where he can find that information by literally putting it on a cake. Like icing a cake. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if this was mentioned uh, before, but yeah, as a um, you know, you guys are musicians. Uh, as an illustrator, I definitely know colleagues and peers who've gone into art therapy. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of like a sister therapy to music therapy, obviously. Yeah. And so um, that to me definitely reminded me of what you probably experienced, Amanda, not just people with brain damage, but you're talking about individuals who um, can't really, there a lot of time what I think of as children, like um, who don't have maybe the maturity or understanding to verbalize what mm-hmm. They want to. Um, everything's kind of muddled a little bit. And for me, a, a good part of the creative process, and I'm kind of simplifying things, but a lot of it is internal processing. Like I'm trying to understand something that I'm digging at. And then some of it is more about communication. In fact, like I think data connecting to the violin is yes. about him. It is internal, but it's, he shares that a lot. Whereas yeah. like Picard doesn't share the flute a lot. And with this cake thing, going back to that, where Tuvok actually, he can't, because of the uh, infliction of the alien weapon, he just, he didn't understand the technology, the image, his memories aren't clear. And he also just has lost memory of the science. So it's hard for him to technically articulate what he's saying, because he just doesn't have that Mm -hmm. information anymore. And so he's able to remember and see it but he he can't all he knows is like it's a squiggly line I have no idea what it is so he mm-hmm. actually ices it on you know cake and um yeah and art therapies it can be very important again for for people who can't articulate it because of you know brain damage or again like a child they mm-hmm. express it visually you know yeah. a child scribbling on something to express anger or frustration is more powerful than 
the words they can use at that point. Right. Right. And I'm sure music is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like to say I'm angry is not the same. Right. Yeah. Like what is, what does your anger look like? What does it sound like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I just want to, again, give uh, Neelix like a little he was bit so of applause. Wonderful. He's like, because he, he, it, he provided Tuvok with all of these active, these creative activities. Yeah. And without that, like, first of all, they would never have found, probably never have found that uh, cloaking signature, but also it like, it helps, obviously it's therapeutic. It helps Tuvok to like get through this, this like really traumatic experience that he yeah. just had. Yeah. Uh, and like waking up and like not knowing who he is. Um, Neelix. What? And I think like, like you mentioned, Lauren, like it helped all of these creative outlets that Tuvok or that Neelix provided him really helped Tuvok become reacquainted with himself as the new person that he had become. Mm-hmm. Like when he's using his Vulcan candles to make that little flower. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm making a flower. <laughs> That's okay. so cute. I, yeah. I love that, Tuvok. Um, yeah. I, I would love to move on and talk about the EMH. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one episode in particular, um, and we all know, if you're watching this, we all know that the EMH has a very strong relationship with music and art. Um, yeah. And in, in a lot of ways, like Data, he uses, and like Seven, of nine, he uses music and art to connect with humanity um, and to connect with his own humanity, right? Um, and in this episode, it's uh, season three, episode four of Voyager, and the the episode's called Swarm. Uh, he starts, his, his program starts to degrade, and he starts to show signs of what look like dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, and it all ha- starts to happen while he's rehearsing a part of La Boheme on the holodeck, which is first of all, adorable. Um, (laughs) And, and then uh, he starts, he forgets the lyrics and then he starts to forget who he is. And they go through this whole process. They have to restart him, which is really, really, really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the episode, you hear him humming a part of La Boheme again. And I thought, I brought this up to you yesterday, Amanda. I thought this was really interesting. And I wondered if the writers, and I didn't look this up. I just didn't. Um, if they had been reading Oliver Sacks. Yeah. Um, I, if, if any of y'all out there know, Oliver Sacks was a very famous neuro, neuroscientist. Um, and he was very interested in the way that music affected the brain. And he did research on people who had experienced um, memory loss and found that music was like one of the last things to go. That even if they couldn't remember who their family was or they couldn't remember who they were or where they were, that they could still sing a song that they knew. Or they could still like they actually did this uh, with a it was a guy who was a, a choral conductor and they put him in front. He had lost all all like short term and long term memory and they put him in front of his choir and he conducted them perfectly. Yeah. 
And uh, so like, I feel like I see, we see that in this episode, we see the doctor retains this understanding and this memory of this music. Um, and this is like actually in science, like this is real. So I wonder if they had, I wonder if they had read Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks, which I highly recommend to everybody. <laughs> you got homework. <laughs> there will be a no, quiz really. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we expect you to read the entire book right now, right now. Um, but but I would love to hear you talk about um, using music therapy with uh, people that have dementia and Alzheimer's. Our yeah. grandmother yeah. had dementia, and I know that you. Uh, I mean, I was there and cried a lot. Yeah, watching you uh, play with interact her. with her. Yeah. And play with her. I think you know that actually those experiences with our grandmother when when we uh, we were probably what maybe in high school, right? When she started to kind of decline. Yeah, and and those those experiences, you know, we would go and visit her every summer and she would, you know, be a little bit worse every summer and not be able to remember, you know, starting with like us, she didn't remember us. And then slowly she like, didn't even remember who my dad was. And it was, it was really hard for us as a family. Um, but I would sit down with her and like play her favorite hymns and show tunes and stuff. And she would remember all the words. And that was like, not only did I, did I recognize something is happening in her brain that's allowing her to remember these things when everything else has fallen away, but also we are able to have an emotional connection again, even if she doesn't know me and that's happening through the music. Um, and I think the way that they, that they did that with, with the doctor was actually really, it was, it was, I mean, obviously about, you know, Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Right. Um, and, and the, the way that, uh, I think you mentioned, um, you know, how when they reset him, how sad of a moment that was, right? And how sad for the people in his life who, you know, were losing him. And I think that really mirrors, you know, people who uh, have Alzheimer's disease and dementia, that their loved ones are kind of left feeling like we lost our person, even though they're still here. They're I'm going to cry. Right? I'm like, really, um, I'm like really crying. <laughs> Like, I always cry talking about grandma. I know. I know, but it, yeah, yeah, that's it's it's true. It's like, oh, hearts, hearts, hearts. It's true. It's like really, yeah. It's it's really uh, it's really intense. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that the way that this episode was written is is really beautiful in that way, especially um, watching Kess fight for very much so. the doctor watched like watching her be like no this is not this is not there has to be another way mm -hmm. um that that feels very uh relatable because so yes. many people in the world i mean like lots of people have someone in their life that has dementia and alzheimer's and or yeah. alzheimer's um so i'm i mean I, I just thought this was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And and the 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 truth is like what you were saying, Larissa, you know, like our brains like light up like a Christmas tree when we're listening to music, when we're engaged in music. And uh and they've found that actually like basic rhythm is one of the last things to go. That people, mm -hmm. you know, with really advanced stages of Alzheimer's can still tap their foot to a beat. That that's still something that like is retained. And and there's so much about our brains 
in and music that we don't understand. Like it's still, yeah. And so, may, you know, in the future, they should have had all this information, right? right? I would imagine. I mean, we'd like, have that's a, a much better understanding of why why we respond this way. I mean, that's a really great segue. Like, I I don't know if you guys want to. I mean, I think it's like we we could talk about like, um, Worf's uh, um relationship with music and how that connects him as a as a um uh what did i say trans species a trans species adoptee how that connects him to his his klingon culture um but and we could talk we could talk about data and data using data and seven using music to connect to their humanity Mm -hmm. um but i'm really interested in talking about like what the future of uh expressive therapies integrated into medicine looks like because so like we know that star trek in particular but like science fiction in general has like has done a lot for like pushing technology forward and like pushing like like you see a lot on star trek like somebody's like or a doctor's like look at this like new gadget i have that's going to fix your knee or like here Mm -hmm. i'm going to give you a hypo spray with some drugs in it and it's going to make you not sad or something you know but like, there's not a lot of like, we know these things about the brain now. Mm-hmm. And here's, here are some practices that you can adopt into your life. Or here's like a new therapeutic technique that is going to be helpful. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I like, I love that like Star Trek has pushed technology forward, you know, but like, I would love to, to like hear what you think about expressive therapies in the future and how new Star Trek can talk about the brain in new ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, I would hope that, that we are kind of approaching, um, a point that, that our treatment is moving into more of a holistic, uh, manner, a more holistic approach. Um, and so integrating things like art therapy and music therapy and dance and movement therapy, those are, you know, like having more non-pharmacological approaches in medicine. I think I would hope to see that in the future that, that, you know, maybe the EMH could have been programmed with uh, some music therapy techniques to help Tuvix, Tuvix, I was going to call him Tuvix. Maybe help Tuvix too, but to help Tuvok, you know, recover from that brain injury, you know, if EMH had had been programmed with some music therapy techniques Um, and maybe, you know, right. Uh, When, when data was, was painting and painting and painting to kind of like, you know, explore his inner world through dreams like that, you know, maybe counselor Troy would have some art therapy training that she could kind of help him explore that, you know? Um, I, I think in the future, there's a lot, there's a lot of room for it and growth. Yeah. And uh, Larissa, kind of going back to what you're saying about, um, you know, the person who conducted the, their choir when they were in that environment, I think a lot of people have looked into what VR is now and can be as far as medical training and, um, you know, other things, but, but also the, the ability to put someone in an environment. I, I remember my uncle had to deal with um, some, some, you know, Alzheimer's issues. And I remember my aunt talking about there were painters coming to the house and she was very worried because 
if you move the coffee maker, my uncle's mm. routine was going to get disrupted. And, you know, he goes here to make his coffee. And that's very important that things stay where they are. But the idea that you can put someone in a former home, you know, like the fact that they might be in an assisted living or, or hospice and suddenly go back to something that represents their bedroom that they're used to having or, mm. yeah, or, or something like that. I think that could be an amazing thing. They have great tools um, in VR right now where you can kind of like paint in the space and stuff. And uh, mm. that just brings like a whole world of incorporating sound and visuals, I think, for not only art and music therapy, but again, kind of the idea of, of transplanting people into different environments that might be stimulating or therapeutic in other ways. So let's get that holodeck going. Come on. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's really cool. That that the intersection of technology and therapies. Like not just mm-hmm. like here's the technology where we can like look at our individual cells or like here's a technology where uh we can like, you know, cut la- like laser cut someone's Brain thing open. and do it whatever. <laughs> It, it's I don't about know. Elev- elevating the possibilities of what creativity can be, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. how it incorporates into therapies. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that. That's, I mean, that's one of the coolest things about Star Trek, you know, is, is the, the, um, the actual effect that um, the show has on greater culture and on the sciences in specifically, like, I know that there's a, a podcast later that's going to, they're going to talk about diversity in STEM and, and um, Ooh, yeah, definitely. tomorrow, which is going to be really cool. I'm excited. I, I hope I can watch that one, but I'm, I'm a, I'm interested to see more of, of this uh, holistic, like, like Amanda says in, in our Google doc, holistic, non-pharmological and individualized approach to care. Mm-hmm. Um and not just like hypo spray, you know? Right. <laughs> right. There's yeah. so many hypo sprays all the time. I think in the future though, like it would be so hard to be a music therapist because you'd have to have repertoire from every single, you know, known <laughs> planet and <laughs> you'd have to have right. an understanding like uh. physiologically and like of their brain system and body. This is why EMH ah. is great for this. This is why EMH, like EMH is like literally just like a, he, he's got like the library of all of this information yeah. and he's a musician. Like yeah. he's perfect, there you go. perfectly suited to be a music therapist. He could play any of those instruments. He could just program him and he can play. What was that one that they had with the little, I don't know, the episode where it was kind of like a, yeah. a Simon Says thing. Oh yeah. No, I mean, no, I feel no. like we're in the, sometime in the future, into the wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. We'll talk about all of the weird future alien instruments that are all just kind of theremins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're sort I of all have, the same. I actually have a question for you because I was thinking about this when I was watching uh, Lessons. Is Nella Darren playing the piano? I'm guessing no. No. I don't think so. Okay. No. No, I mean, she's so. doing a really good job pretending to play uh-huh. the piano. Well, I noticed they, they like, never they do the show her... Yeah, and even then, it looks like kind of like the cat banging on the piano. Like, but there's only yeah. one shot of her arms touching the keys. And we, um, Larissa and I, have had this discussion about which which people on Star Trek are actually playing the instruments and which yeah. ones are just pretending. I'm curious on a scale from one to ten, 
how well does Brent Spiner pretend to uh, oh. play the violin? Oh, he's, it's five. bad. It's, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't so know bad. how to play violin, and the, it's okay. Violin is really hard. Like it's much. It's much easier to pretend to play the piano because mm-hmm. you can okay. just shoot someone and not see their hands, and they can just go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> What about Patrick Stewart like, and the flute? Is he doing? Yeah, is he, he doing an okay job? He's doing fine. No. It's 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 like it's like Harry Kim playing the clarinet. Like all you have to do is breathe in the right place, and people will believe you. Harry okay, Kim. okay, this is good. I know, I know it's true. I'm, I'm uh, so we've we've only got five minutes left. I just I'm I'm like so grateful that we got to do this today. I know that Lauren had some technical difficulties. I'm sorry. Um, I, I want everyone to know that like, I, I've like been looking at your comments and it like, I'm, I'm just like, so excited that people are interested in music therapy and interested in, in this, uh, this concept. Like I would love, Oh, thank you. Anne Marie. That is so sweet. Uh, going to listen to our back catalog. Um, we, I would, I would highly encourage everyone to check out, uh, Amanda's website. It's maestromusictherapy.com mm-hmm. and you can read more about music therapy on her website. You can read more about, um, guided imagery and music, which is like really cool where like they actually use music to like take you to an altered state where you like walk around in your brain and it's really, <laughs> are we oh, in the yeah, future cool. now? Yes, right? we are currently now in the future. <laughs> um, and uh, Lauren and I are so like happy to have been here and been a part of this. And uh, you can check out our podcast at Into the Wormhole. What is it? What is our website? Com. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm here. I record with you. You can you can you can find us on Instagram at into the word mold dot podcast. Dude, I still yeah. am not wearing pants. Do you think I know? Oh my gosh! I'm sorry, I, I got the time zones. I got the time zones confused. This is where this all started. I know. I know. Laura, we're we're in Central Time. Amanda is in Eastern Time. We got time for some reason. Like a single, the single hour is so much harder than. Yeah, that's hard. Um, but yeah, we're I've I feel I'm I'm happy. Do you want to say thank yous? I want to say thank you, women at warp. Thank you so much. I've been listening to women at warp for a long time and y'all are amazing. Yay. <laughs> thank you for having us. Um, uh, we hope listeners like keep listening to as many of the podcasters and the podcast you can during this weekend festival. Um, we hope some of you will hop over and, and check out our past episodes. We do have one with Amanda. Larissa, I don't know if you mentioned that. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. They they did a great one while I was on maternity leave um, about Dark Page from TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, yeah, we talked yeah. a little bit about everything. So we just like, we invite you to kind of come over to our house and and check it out. Yeah, come and Amanda, over. thank you for, for coming you. back on with us. Yeah, thank you Yay. so much. It's so so wonderful to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Well, well, right. well, we're excited for the rest of the festival. Thanks so much, Women at Warp. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Yay! Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show on Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast 
Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town.